welcome to the TV on this podcast. Today, I'm talking to Tiffany Trong, a recent University of San Diego graduate and native of San Jose, who is going to share a bit about her upbringing and how growing up in an Asian American household impacted her mental health and life choices. She hopes to inspire those who come from similar upbringings and shed light on the struggles of living as a first-generation and low-income eldest child from an immigrant household in the Bay Area. So welcome to the podcast, Tiffany. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Before we get into, you know, sharing all about your experience, I like to ask every guest, to be honest, how are you doing today? I think the answer that most people are expecting is like, oh, it's going well. How are you? Um, but <laughs> I kind of want to honestly say that it's going as every other day is. Um, it's not the worst. It's not the best. It's just a normal day. But I think that's what makes it exciting. Um, I recently came back from a trip. And I think that this week is kind of going to be a good week. It's a little mundane, but like kind of like a plain canvas. You kind of can make it really what you want to be. Um, so today I'm just hoping to be a little bit more productive and also kind of surprise myself with a little treat later for doing so. That sounds awesome. Where did you go on your trip? I went to um, Los Angeles. So I visited some friends uh, that were from out of state and then um, went to a festival um, and then came back yesterday. <laughs> it sounds like you came back feeling refreshed and like ready to kind of take on the week, even if it is a little mundane. Like it's like you said, it's a blank canvas. So you never know what's going to happen when you get back from a trip, but hopefully yeah, it's exactly. like calm and you can relax and settle back into, you know, normal life. I'd love to start by learning a bit about your background. You've shared with me a bit about your home life growing up and school life. Um, So I'm curious how both of those impacted your mental health. For all of our listeners, I grew up in San Jose, California. So it's kind of in the heart of the Bay Area. And I've done all of my education here with the exception of my university. And I think everyone who has gone to school here or ever has been here kind of knows what kind of environment it fosters. It's very competitive. Um, and it wants the best of the best. And those who weren't keeping up kind of just like drew, it's kind of like a game of like drawing straws. Um, those who couldn't keep up, didn't get first pick in that sense. Um, even if it was for your own comfort. So everything around here for the culture was kind of being as fast or on track as your peers or even preferably faster. Um, And everyone needed to be on schedule. Otherwise, it would be kind of jeopardizing yourself. And I recall as a little kid, um, I went to school regardless if I was sick. I even went to school once when I had 105 fever. Um, yeah, I was always packing my schedule, going to like my day-to-day school and then going to extracurriculars on the weekends, having a part-time job, um, et cetera, um, so that I would be as good as my peers and nothing was ever considered overachieving, even from an outside point standpoint, like even now when I look back, I'm like, oh, I definitely did too much, Mm -hmm. but at the time that wasn't the case. And that really changes your mentality and mental health, like as you grow up, especially since this is what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. So everything was more of hard tasks, rather than like, taking a step back and be like, Oh, how is this impacting me? 
other than like hard results. Yeah. So it sounds like it was very normalized to like kind of like hustle and, you know, be an overachiever in a sense, um, which, yeah, I totally understand. I also grew up in the Bay Area and I think that culture is just so like pervasive in this area, which is a little scary because I think it sounds like getting into like colleges nowadays is even harder than it used to be. So I can't even imagine what kids are going through now. For, versus like when I went through it, like it's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, but so in regards to your mental health, like how, how impacted was that? Or like, how was it impacted? Did you feel like you struggled a lot with your mental health because of that? I don't think I ever thought of my mental health because I never had time for it. I feel like <laughs> I always had other priorities and a little bit background to me. I'm the eldest um child. Um, So I was always the role model for my sibling. And um, also as coming from like a first generation immigrant household, I kind of had to be the adult. So I just never had time to really think about my mental health in aspect to like what I had to do on a day to day basis. So I was feeling a lot of like pressure, um, anxiety, um, just to keep up with all the demands from me. But I just never really took time to like acknowledge it. Yeah. So it's more of like seeing it in hindsight is you can like reflect on that experience and understand like, wow, I, yeah, I took on a lot and my mental health definitely took a hit because of it. Yeah. What was, I mean, kind of already answered this, but what was it like going to school in such a competitive environment? Um, I know you said it's, it's kind of normalized, but was there anything in particular that um, I guess like, the school system and the school culture, um, how that like impacted you? I really thought about this, um, but I think the only way I could describe it looking back is that it was very exhausting. There's just no other way to describe it. Um, and that same mentality and like habits, um, since I've like adopted those habits at a very young age, they still kind of like are part of me now. Like it's a characteristic of me. I recall like when I first moved away from the Bay um, for college, I was kind of culture shocked, even though I still stayed in California, but it was just everyone lived at a different lifestyle than how I grew up. And that was very unnerving in the sense that it's a different comfort zone that I have to accustom to. It's a very more relaxing and more healthy environment, I want to say, but it's definitely still like a tax on my mental health seeing something so foreign. But yeah, I don't know how else to describe how my upbringings are other than like day to day. I just woke up and, you know, went to school Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of repeated it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like now that you are able to look back on your like time in high school versus like your time moving away from the Bay Area, do you feel this is kind of a weird question, but do you feel like it was worth like all the hard work and everything that you put into like school and extracurriculars and all of that? Or do you feel like you could have taken a step back and still be where you are today? I think it's a mix of both. I definitely think I could have taken the step back and still be where I am. Uh, but it's that sense of like, I rather have be safe than sorry, having that safety net. Mm-hmm. And also like, not as like an ego boost or anything, but going to a more relaxed lifestyle, like in the future after hard work, it just makes me feel like oh, I'm more better prepared 
And so like certain things were a lot easier for me. I'm like, oh, this is easy compared to what I did like for like my K through 12. Um, so it's just a transition in some way. So I think there's pros and cons to it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. I know it's kind of a tough question, but I was just kind of curious because I'm sure people listening may be in high school right now. So I'm just curious if they are listening and they hear someone who's kind of been through that experience of like this school culture that's so intense, like, is it worth it? And like where you are now and everyone's journey is different, but I was just curious if, you know, we could help people relax a little bit around school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious now, um, uh, well, I'm curious how you took care of your mental health. Did you um, eventually when you did acknowledge that maybe you were having some um, struggles or challenges, did you seek professional assistance or um, did you do some like self-care? What was that process like for you? Yeah, um, I'm not old, <laughs> um, but at the time I was growing up, um, the generation was like mental health was a very new concept when I was growing up. So um, I think the idea of mental health is very traditionalized as in like mental health just means like, oh, going to like a spa or like meditating, uh, maybe yoga or something like that. While I think nowadays mental health kind of sees more as like doing your hobbies, taking time for yourself, just doing whatever makes you feel happy. Um, so at the time, I don't think I did anything per se. Um, so mental health to me was more of like an educational curiosity rather than something I practice. It was like, oh, I'm learning this for school. And this is very interesting. Um, but it wasn't until like very major life changes that I really relied on it. So now... I go to therapy. I use a lot of mental health resources. Um, I'm part of a mental health startup community and all these kind of things just to like take time away from like the pressures on my day-to-day -day basis. While I'm still kind of reserved about like opening up about specific traumas or like struggles, I'm like also relying on support systems. So like my friends and just embracing it a little bit more. That's great. I'm glad that you're, you know, seeking those like specific... The things that, you know, work for you and the things that take care of your own mental health. That's so important to find like your own like personal, the personal things that work for you. So, and as an Asian American, did your parents expect a lot of you in school or did you feel like the school culture was more of the reason that you were so driven? I think it's a mix of both. I think the funny thing is the model that I always hear and that all my friends kind of talked about when I was growing up was you study, sleep, and repeat. Um, mm -hmm. It's kind of been instilled into us since the first day of school. Um, IQ over EQ, um, those kind of things um, were always talked about. And in some sense, what I was taught was hard results would always be worth it at the end. And that was kind of the reason why I was probably okay with living the life that I was living, regardless of mental health because um, it was just something that I'm so used to. And it was just something familiar to me mm -hmm. rather than like doing something different um, that was kind of unnerving. Um, so living my parents' dreams of, you know, going to medical school or doing something very ambitious, that sense of delayed gratification always was instilled to me at birth. Um, 
So it was very comforting me to me and to be in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a funny thing was like, I remember doing a school project and the question was, oh, um, learn about the background of like your name and like why your parents chose it and stuff like that. So I asked my uh, mother, why did you choose my name? Um, what was the symbolism behind it? I was thinking it's going to be like super poetic or something yeah. funny. But she was saying like, oh, she read it somewhere that it meant beauty, leadership and um, money. And that's all she ever wanted in a child. So mm-hmm. I think because of her sacrifice, um, she never really got to live out her dreams. And so she didn't want us to have to go through that. So that idea of delayed gratification was very forthcoming. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I guess that was a long way of roundabout to just <laughs> say like, uh, yes, I think the school kind of prepped me to be... Um, having that drive but also I think also for my parents too and I know that at some point you experience burnout so I'm curious if you would mind sharing a bit about that and how um how you kind of felt during that time yeah um so whenever I chat with my friends I'm always considered the one who always do, does too much yeah um even though it's very comforting for me to have something always be done I'm a very type a person Um, but I think the first time I experienced burnout was when I was in university and I had failed a few exams, uh, leading up to my application season for medical school. And I had just pushed off burnouts for a later time because that's just the mentality, um, I've been fostered and, um, has been normalized for me. So I just remember having a panic attack that I didn't even recognize was a panic attack until Mm. months later. And I think that was very exhausting, confusing, and also an eye opener. Um, It showed me that what I was doing wasn't really that healthy and it wasn't sustainable. I think that was a very turning point in my life. But for anyone who hasn't experienced burnout, I wouldn't want you to. (laughs) It's very exhausting too, mm-hmm. and yet like very confusing because I think no one really knows when burnout happens. There's no like distinct sign that's very distinguishable yeah. other than, oh, you're a little more tired than normal. Oh, you might be just a little unmotivated for other reasons, but you just never really can be prepared for burnout. So it's just mm-hmm. very confusing and exhausting. Yeah, definitely. Were there any things that you did in particular to help like once you recognize that you were experiencing burnout, were there any things that helped you cope with the feelings of burnout? I definitely took some time away from what I was doing. Um, in more academic reasoning, it was just an idea that maybe what I'm doing isn't the most effective or the most efficient. So I just took some time away to like reevaluate, but also like find comfort in some of my support system. So going to my counselor and seeing like, what else can I do? Um, What are their outside input on like what I've been doing? Is it healthy in other people's eyes? Mm -hmm. Um, And just trying to be proactive in like not letting burnout continue longer. I think I relished in it and I like embraced it. It's like acknowledged that I am burnt out, Mm -hmm. but I tried to like stay on top of it so that it wouldn't linger.
Were there any people in your life that you felt like you could talk to about what you were experiencing? Like whether it be parents or friends or siblings or anything like that? Um, definitely friends, um, especially my peers, because I'm sure it's easier to find <laughs> commonality when yeah. they are going through the exact same struggles. Um, they could kind of understand it a little bit more and like a deeper perspective, um, which is why like support groups are really important, even if they're like beyond just like friends or like close acquaintances, counselors, family, like as long as someone can relate to what you're going through, I think it's very important to just reach out to those people. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, you said everything I was thinking about having a support network is just, yeah, finding those people you can rely on is so crucial to yeah when you're going through those tough emotional times so I think that is good advice is there anything else that you would recommend to someone who is experiencing burnout know your limit as someone who's gone through very extreme burnout it does catch up to you and it will build up it's one of those things that just kind of takes you by surprise because I'm definitely someone who just pushes and pushes and be like oh, I'll get to it when I get to it, Mm -hmm. when I have more time. (laughs) Just take some breaks, no matter how small, grab a meal, go outside, see sunsets, sunrises, hang out with friends, just do whatever you enjoy doing and try to incorporate those into your schedule. I am, like I said, I'm very bad at like very traditional self-care. So those like um, meditations and so on forth. Mm -hmm. But like when I'm working, I'm very on the dot to my schedule. So um, I still have this habit. It's like whenever I hang out with friends, I'm always like whipping out my phone to look at my calendar. I'm like, oh, I can see you <laughs> at this time slot on this day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a very effective um, habit for people who are such type A people. Mm-hmm. Um, just schedule something in for you to just take time for yourself. Um, that way, when you're working and like, you know, grinding towards a deadline, you're still able to stay on task, but you know that you have something to look forward to or that you could still do this, but still not be like delayed or pressured to like catch up to mm-hmm. that deadline. Yeah, definitely. That's that's such great advice. I definitely resonate with that. Um, I've recently tried to plan like one thing each week with either like a friend or a loved one, like after work hours so I can go and, you know, hang out with them and like just have like a it's just like a nice break in the week to have yeah like you said have something to look forward to you get to relax you get to catch up with someone you get to maybe eat a good meal that you don't cook at home mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like a nice little thing so I, th- I like that advice that you're saying like you yeah. know know your limits take breaks when you need to and enjoy life while you're still like working towards your goals so it's like the simple things in life and it's not like and not everything is like has to be on a blueprint you don't have to follow everything to the T. And I think what I also learned is like that a fresh mind on your like whatever work that you're working on is always the best. Even if like the model that everyone kind of talks about in education is like pressure makes diamonds, your best work might be even better than diamonds if you just take that fresh mind and like yeah. work at it on it at a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Well, thank you for sharing that advice. And I'd love to chat a little bit about like your post high school journey and kind of what you're up to now since you've left like this like cooker pressure environment in high school. (laughs) 
Yeah, I well, post high school, I did go to university. Um, so I was in university as a pre med major. Um, so I think anyone who's going to medical school knows how daunting, or like as a pre med, was knows how daunting it can be, and like everything that you kind of have to do. And entering in, you just have a bucket list of things that you have to complete before you graduate, mm-hmm. and you want to graduate on time because college is expensive. <laughs> um, so I really buckled down on like a ton of classes. I think I had a full class load every semester I was in college. Um, but I did graduate with honors with double majors and double minors because I wanted to do an extra major for fun. And I do recommend like doing something for fun in college. Yeah. Not everything has to be about school. Yeah. Um, after graduation, I worked in a local clinic, and then currently I'm actually doing a career change. It's a bit rocky right now, um, but I am working every day, like just trying to learn something new about this um, new career. So it's just watching videos, looking at articles, reading up about it, trying to network, so and so. Awesome. And what did you what did you double major in and minor in? I majored in biology and history. History was my fun little side hobby. Nice. <laughs> um, and then my minors were chemistry and biomedical ethics. Okay, awesome. Sounds very comprehensive in terms of like the pre med side, and then yeah, I like that you had a little fun like history stuff on the side. Yeah. Um, And so now that you're going through this career change, what do you hope to do in the future? I'm actually hoping to do more work in the production slash entertainment industry and just continue chasing towards that dream. Um, I've always enjoyed it as a little kid, but um, practicality careers were always the forefront up to now. Um, So I'm definitely still learning a lot about the industry um, for the better and Um, I'm just excited for what's to come. But I guess for a more short-term goal, I just want to enjoy my hobbies a little bit more. There's like a lot of cafes I want to visit in town, (laughs) go to different restaurants, and just explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you – I'm curious, like, if you've approached your family about this career change and if they've had any, like, reactions to it or if they're supportive. I have. It's hard to hide from parents when you're kind (laughs) of – doing when they can see something change in you uh, whether that's just like how I act on a day-to-day basis like in my emotions Um, but I have spoken to my parents about it they're a bit nervous for very good reasons Um, Mm -hmm. if specifically for the entertainment industry it's very hard to be stable And that's what they're kind of worried about. And, you know, it's a learning curve for them as much as a learning curve for me. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm glad that they're, you know, they're on their way to being, you know, supportive of your career change. Um, Do you have any advice for someone who may be listening who also is kind of going through this struggle of wanting to like please their parents with either like a future career decision or college decision, they're not sure how to approach that topic with their parents. I would say the hardest step would be getting the courage to just do you. I think I've heard this saying like so, so many times, but you are your own biggest critique. And I think that you just need to believe that the rejection that you're fearing wouldn't really trump over the unconditional love your parents have for you. 
And sometimes you just need to put yourself first. And once you're happy, stable, and even relieved in some sense, um, the results will start coming in. Your parents will see that. It's not going to be like, oh, they're not going to acknowledge what you've been working towards. Um, But those things don't really happen overnight. And uncertainty is scary, especially as parents. Their goals are to provide for you and set you up for success. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like nothing would happen without you trying. So just start somewhere, pick up the hobbies that match up what you want to ideally work towards. Network, find time to learn about the other career. And I'm not exactly saying to go behind your parents' back, um, but incorporate them, like incorporate these things into your life so that you can start building yourself a foundation when you do want to switch and you have something and someone to always be your support system somewhere. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I think one thing that I've learned too is like, I think a lot of us are like uh, kind of a different topic, but similar is a lot of us, including myself, are scared to even like try to start a new career or try to start like a new hobby because we're scared of failing. So I think it's also like, you have to keep in mind, like you don't know how it's going to go, but you don't know unless you try. So it's worth like trying, like even if it's just starting a hobby. Um, so yeah, I think you gave some great advice there. And my final question that I'm trying to ask everyone this season is what is one thing you've incorporated into your life to maintain your mental health that you would suggest others do too? I always try to keep at least one stable aspect of my life that I enjoy. So whether that's like my support group, my hobbies, etc. Um, I also think it's very stimulating and healthy for you to try new things, um, kind of break out of that comfort zone. Um, so like what's how we were talking about rejection, it's good to sometimes get rejected. You learn and you grow, but you also have to try new things and find like things that work for you and things that don't. Um, so in that sense, explore, enjoy the present, and things will definitely fall into line. Sometimes when you do need a reality check, um, though, I definitely kind of go back and just experience nostalgia in some way, visiting like my old schools or going to see my old shows, going through memorabilia, just to see how far I've come and just celebrate those small achievements, no matter how insignificant or weird or small that you might think they are like just cherish those moments because you did them that's awesome i love that thank you for sharing and thank you for being on the podcast it was great chatting with you getting to hear your story if people are interested in learning more about you or all the things that you're doing where can they go to learn more yeah they can connect with me through social media um on instagram on my handle finding our euphoria um i'm also a part of this mental health community online on discord they can join our servers um, and uh, learn more about it i definitely recommend it as a resource it's called mindset by dive studios and i'll definitely uh, leave the link so that you can see it Perfect. That sounds great. I didn't know that you're part of this Discord community, but that sounds like an awesome way to connect with others and just chat about mental health. So we'll definitely include the link to that in the show notes. Thank you again for being on the podcast. It was so nice to meet you and see you face to face. And I hope our listeners learned a lot from your experience. So thank you. And I hope we can connect again soon. Yeah. Thank you for so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. All right. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Bye. 
Thank you for tuning into the To Be Honest podcast brought to you by Momentum for Health. We're so happy to be able to share the personal behavioral health and wellness stories of youth and young adults in Santa Clara County. If you live in Santa Clara County and are in need of behavioral health assistance, please call 800-704-0900. You can also reach the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline 24-7 by dialing or texting 988. That's it for now, but we'll be back in just two weeks with another episode. Bye!